In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, every child knows, or every child should know, that good stories always start this way, once upon a time. And every Catholic knows, or every Catholic should know, that the very best story ends this way, and she lived happily ever after. Now let me give you an example. Once upon a time, there was a princess, and she was the bestest princess ever. She was incomparably beautiful, incomparably good, incomparably wise, incomparably pure, and no one ever underwent happiness the way she underwent happiness, and no one ever underwent sorrow the way that she underwent sorrow. And her father, the great king, very, very much wanted her to become a mother and a queen. And that is what she did. And she lived happily ever after. That is a summation in a childlike way of the solemnity we're celebrating today, the solemnity assumption of our blessed mother. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said regarding Mary, one can never say enough. But there are certain things I say have to be said. When we start to talk about Our Lady, we have to talk about her immaculate conception. We have to talk about the incarnation of her divine son. We have to talk about her assumption, body and soul into heaven. And we have to talk about her coronation as queen of heaven and earth. And if we fail to say at least those things every time we speak of her, then we haven't really spoken about her at all. Let me give you an example. When I interview at uh, places of religious formation, say a seminary, or places of education, say a university, I always ask the grown-ups, how do you know when it's working? How do you know when you're doing it right? Who's the graduate you complain to? And say, see that one over there? That's what we mean. We know we're doing it right because we produce graduates like this. So we might say to God, our creator, you know that experiment with human life? How do you know when it's working? How do you know when it's been done right? And our creator God would have to point to our lady and say her. That's what I've always intended for human nature. When I mean human, I think of her. Now, we had a rather unexpected happy ending with the story of Our Lady in this way, because Adam and Eve came into the world sinless, and God had very, very great plans for them and very, very special gifts that they were supposed to hand on to us. And Adam and Eve took all those wonderful gifts meant for us and poured them out on the ground and said, no, thank you. We're just not interested. And by the way, we don't want you to be God. We'll have anybody be God. I'll be God, she'll be God, the snake will be God, a, a cow, golden or otherwise, anybody but you. And in that moment, we burn the bridge between humanity and divinity, which is kind of a problem for us because our human vocation, our summons, our purpose is to be united with the Godhead in a nuptial embrace of joy and ecstasy, body and soul, delighting in him forever. And we destroyed that through our sin. Now God, 
God can only be God, and God is infinitely good, infinitely just, infinitely holy. He cannot tolerate, he cannot countenance sin and evil. Remember, C.S. Lewis said, make no mistake, we may not bring even the most intimate souvenir from hell with us into heaven. That's a big problem for us because we are rebels now at our core. And whatever mercy might mean, mercy does not mean that sin doesn't matter. Mercy, whatever it means, cannot mean that evil is okay. And whatever mercy means, it doesn't mean that just God says, don't worry about it, sin, evil, it's all good. Because merciful God is also just. And the stain of sin has to be scoured away. And the balance has to be restored. Because that is the very nature of God. And if God cannot countenance sin, if God himself will not and cannot rewrite what is good and what is evil, then surely no gathering of humans, however august, no gathering of humans, dare I say it, even if they call themselves a synod, they cannot redefine what is good and what is evil because only God by his very nature decides what is good and what is evil. What is in harmony with him and his will is good, and whatever is not is evil. It's really, it's very simple. But now the bridge between heaven and earth is burned down, and we've got to get over to the other side. We've got a problem. We human beings have incurred an infinite debt by offending an infinite God. Humans have to pay the bill, and they can't. What we need is someone with the infinity of divinity and the particularity of humanity and one moral agent to make it right. And Almighty God says, let me help you with that. I will send you my Christ, my only begotten Son, who will take on human nature and the human condition, and he will restore what Adam and Eve rejected. He will undo all the damage you and I have done since that time. But now we have another problem. Human nature is rebellious. The intellect is darkened, the will is weakened. We can't obey and worship the way God wants and the way God deserves and the way God commands. Well, what are we to do? How can the eternal word of the Father take on human flesh from the flesh of a rebel. And so we have to speak about the Immaculate Conception, which is why lightning should strike every time a Catholic sings that ridiculous ditty, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that the baby you delivered would soon deliver you? No. That's why I call it the hymn that canceled Christmas. The word cannot become flesh in the flesh of a rebel. So in an act of prevenient grace, the merits of Christ by anticipation are applied to Our Lady at her conception. It's something God can do because he exists outside of time. It's a tremendous advantage he has. 
And so now she is full of grace. She is not in rebellion. Her intellect isn't darkened. Her will isn't weakened. Her heart is not divided. She has no inclination to make idols. She has no desire to worship the work of human hands. She can say fiat absolutely. And so from her flesh, the word takes flesh. And in that moment, she becomes the first and the eternal tabernacle. Contemporary biology, real science, not the science, peddled by people who should, from the place that should know better, real science makes absolutely clear that whenever a woman conceives, she carries the cells of that child in her body forever forever. So of course, she couldn't possibly undergo the corruption of the grave. John Paul, rather than following the Eastern Church, speaking of the dormition of Our Lady, the falling asleep of Our Lady, says it is fitting that Our Lady shares everything with her son, sharing the indignity of his being born in a stable sharing with him the horrors of Good Friday, sharing again the absolute object poverty of being buried in a borrowed tomb. It is fitting that with him she undergoes death, and it is fitting that with him she is not subject to the corruption of the grave. And so just as she suffered with him on Good Friday, at the foot of the cross. So she rejoices with him on Easter Sunday. St. Ignatius Loyola at the end of the spiritual exercises says that it's true this is not recorded in scripture, but again, it must be fitting, it must be right and just that our risen Lord appeared to Our Lady. And he calls upon us to contemplate the joy, the innocence, the rapture, of that reunion. Please, friends, sometime on this holy day, spend some time contemplating the reunion of our risen Lord with his blessed mother. Well, what does this have to do with all of us? Immaculate conception, incarnation, assumption, coronation, Our Lady represents the triumph of the divine plan. Our Lady represents the fulfillment of God's plan for human nature. Our Lady, body and soul for eternity, is in a nuptial ecstasis in union with the Godhead, singing the divine praises. She is the archetype. She is the exemplar. She is the mediatrix of graces. All that God wants to give to human nature, he wants to give through Our Lady. So of course, of course she's queen of heaven and earth. And what has it got to do with us on this hot August day? Our Lady looks at us from the Godhead, looks to us from the center of the heavenly core and says, join me, be with me. 
I want you to be with me forever. I want you to know my joy. I want you to know what it is like to receive God Almighty without condition. I want you to know the ecstasy of a love poured out from an undivided heart. Join me. Let me help you with that. And now we decide how we shall answer the summon of Our Lady. We might say we're busy. We might ask, is this going to take time? We might protest, but dances with the stars is on. We might say, but let me just doom scroll a little bit more. I'll get to you. Or we could have the good sense of recognizing that this world is not our true home. Little Flower said, the earth is the boat. It's the vehicle. It's not the venue. Let us leave this world behind gladly. Let us laugh to scorn the blandishments of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And let us point to heaven and say, I want to be with her. I want to be with the one full of grace. And I want her to place me with her son. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.